Hi everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. Um, do you guys have an end of the week ritual? You know, you get to the end of the week and you know, you've um, you know, you finished your work and all that kind of gear and you've got that one place you go to or maybe you drive through Macca's, get a frozen Coke or something like that. You know, do you guys have one of those? I know for me, I had one when I was um, 17 years old. I was an apprentice bricklayer. Uh, don't recommend that at all. Got sunburnt every day. My lips were chapped every day because I burnt quite easily, right? So I was an apprentice bricklayer and I used to earn a whopping $270 per week cash. No tax, no super with that one, let me tell you. So 270 cash in an envelope. Um, and I used to go down to Woolies, get a chalky oak from Woolies. And then I used to go down to a beautiful prehistoric institution called Blockbuster. Mate, there's nothing like reading the blurbs on the back of a DVD just to get you really excited for the weekend. And uh, there, was one, there was one DVD I used to borrow on the regular, and that was uh, Mulan 2. Now, Mulan's good, sets the stage, sets the, you know, gets the arc going off the ground, but Mulan 2 really sets that arc into notion and you really get to see where she lands after the big war and all that kind of gear. But anyway, Mulan 2, I love it, it's near and dear to my heart, I don't know why, it's just a weird thing, right? Anyway, I borrowed it. A week come, goes by, right? It's in my car. I'm like, I need to return this thing. My life's busy, man, I'm 17, I've got a lot of things to do, a lot of places to see, so I let it go. So a week passes and then two weeks pass and then three weeks pass and... Six months passes and then 12 months passes and then 24 months pass or other people say two years pass. <laughs> and uh, the DVD is sitting in my car and I'm like, I reckon I've gotten away with it. I reckon I've cheated the system. I'm very excited about that. Um, so a dollar for a Mulan too, that's a bargain, right? Um, anyway, I run it into my old room. I've moved houses since then or whatever, so that might have been part of the problem. But um, I run into my old room and I said, Matt, I've got a bunch of envelopes for you. You need to check them out. So she gives me this massive wad of envelopes. I'm like, okay, cool. And on top, it says Blockbuster, right? Blockbuster envelope. I open it up. Hi, Matt Feeling. Friendly reminder, you owe us Mulan 2. Please return kindly as soon as possible. Okay, next one. Blockbuster again. Hi, $10 late fee has ensued because of, you know, overdue DVD. All right, next one. Um, hi, just a, a firm reminder. Please bring back our property, you know. Uh, otherwise, legal action will ensue. Okay, next one. And I don't know the name of the place, but let's just... Bear with me, it was like Covey and Sons or something like that, lawyer's firm, right? I open it up, I get to the, stop, the top, the top literally says Matt Feel Blockbuster versus Matt Feeling. <laughs> it was like an episode of Suits. I was getting slapped over the head with a lawsuit, right? And right at the bottom it said $380. I owed them 380 bucks. So I got on the dog and bone, the phone, as soon as possible, I said, hey, can we work out a deal or whatever? And I actually swindled them down, praise God, to $100, right? I paid it on my massive wage back then. Um, and I realised at the end of that that I officially owned the most expensive copy of Mulan 2 of the face of the planet. And it's on Gumtree too. And I'm trying to sell that off as well for 103 So please, like, hit my account up if you can, right? Matty P underscore 93 on Gumtree. 
But what was the problem with that story, right? What was my issue? My issue was every time I would see that, I lacked the ability to pause, take it seriously. I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't realise that, hang on a second, if I don't do something about this today, I may pay the price for it tomorrow. And when it comes to our dating and our relationships, we can be very similar, right? Life gets busy, right? People to, do, people to see, places to go, things to study. You know, you've got the social pressure of, hey, who you're dating, uh, who's in your life, you're single still. You've got the church pressure of, like, you're 21, you, you, your clock's ticking, you should be married with three kids by now. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you've got your own, and you mix that together with your own needs and wants and temptations. And if you are not careful, if you are not deliberate, if you are not awakened to what God has for your life, you can allow a relationship enter your life today that you will end up paying the price for tomorrow. Because this is the thing, right? Nobody woke up this morning and thought, hmm, I want to have a toxic relationship today. <laughs> I'm going to meet someone really bad for me. I'm going to meet somebody who looks good on the outside, but they actually pull me away from the calling of God. We don't do that, do we? We slowly drift, like a good Sunday afternoon nap like I had today, slowly drift into ineffectiveness. We slowly drift into compromise. And this is the thing, right? In church, we are even more prone to this because we think that, hang on a second, like if two Christians get together, that's all good, that's all going to work out. But fam, newsflash for you, right? That's why it's so powerful that we're doing this series is that Christians still get divorced. (laughs) Christians still cheat. Christians still fall into sin. Christians still mess up. Christians may be going to heaven one day, but some of them, some of the relationships, that's like hell on earth. And, and so we are so confused with it all. And we go, all right, God, what do you have for me? And so what I want to do is I want to preface. So I'm talking about dating time. I want to preface what I'm saying with a couple of things, right? Because it's such almost uncharted territory for a lot of us. So hang on, there's a godly way to date. I want to just let us agree on a couple of things before I dive into the word. Is that cool? So the first thing I just want us to agree on is this. So when I preach tonight, I, I, I want us to lay this foundation that all relationships bring both great blessing and great burden. Adam, right, sees Eve. Come on, God's giving me help, but praise God. Genesis 2, Genesis 3. Eve gets tempted, Adam gets tempted. Great burden, right? So the picture I'm painting for you guys who are single in this room tonight is not a perfect picture. Like, oh, mate, you just sit in the bar so high, I can't achieve it, whatever. No, no, I'm not painting a perfect picture, but what I want to do is I actually want to paint a godly picture tonight. God's way of doing things. Is that cool? So do we agree on that, right? Bring both blessing, great burden. Number two, the second thing we need to agree on 100% is... Simply this, that dating is in fact unbiblical. Let that just awkwardness go across the crowd. (laughs) Ease the pressure. As in, I say it's unbiblical because you cannot find a single passage in the Bible about dating. There is no dating chapter. There is a love chapter. There were arranged marriages in the Bible. Yeah, good idea. Some of you are liking that idea. Mary was 12, 13 years old when she was engaged to Joseph. And, and biblically, marriage isn't actually sealed with a ceremony. Marriage is actually sealed with sex. That's why it's so powerful when we actually wait till after we get married to have the ceremony to have sex because that's when we're bound together. That's when we're glued together. That's when, in the eyes of God, we are, in fact, married. So there's such a mystery by it. And if we aren't careful, we can start to look for, because we want to date, we want to find somebody. But if we're not careful, we can start looking at Scripture through the eyes of culture. I want to date. There's a dating culture, this weird Western 
dating culture that's been created in our society that is not in the Bible at all. I want to date, so I'm going to look at the Scripture through those, that lens, pick and choose what I want to believe in, put the rest to the side and do what I want. It's, we are never meant to read Scripture through the lens of culture. We are meant to uh, read Scripture first and look at culture through that lens. Like, God, what do you say about me? What do you say about them? What principles are irrefutable in your word? And from there, from scripture, I therefore tackle the culture that God, you've called me to be a light in. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's something to praise God about, right? And so therefore, we, we give general, generalized advice. And I got this advice when I was growing up too from my dad who became a, was a radical Pentecost, uh, radical alcoholic and he turned into a radical Pentecostal Christian flag wave and everything like that, right? He loved it. Um, but he would give me this advice, Matt, whatever you do, whatever you do, just don't date a non-Christian. Whatever you do. And he would flex this verse at me and other people would too as well. And that was 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Have you heard about this before, the scripture? Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness. So what happens is if we are too if we are if we're if we're not careful, we can set the bar low and say, all you need to do, the one rule for a Christian person trying to date is just don't date a non-Christian, right? Set the bar nice and low. But today I do not want to set the bar low. I actually want to set the bar high. I actually want to say our dating and our marriages, they are actually to reflect the very glory and nature of God. Let me say this today, right? That God's very nature is relational. So our relationships should always reflect his nature. His nature is relational. It's who he is. So when we have a godly relationship, it should reflect his nature. Our marriages should be full of grace. Our marriages should be full of kindness. Our marriages should be full of breakthrough. Our marriages should break through generational chains and curses in our lives so that we can pave the way for the next generation. That's something to celebrate in this place tonight. So what is God's specific heart around Scripture of this scripture in particular. Because so today, I don't want to just talk about what does it look like to be unequally yoked. Just don't date a non-Christian, whatever you do. I actually want to talk about what does it look like to be equally yoked. What is God's heart in this scripture as he's speaking through Paul? And for those people who are single tonight, hopefully when I tell you about what does it look like to be equally yoked, because you know what you are going for, you therefore know what you're not, what you're not going for. And to make this whole process a lot easier, might be a little bit painful, might, get, might have to employ a bit of patience, but there'll be purpose in every step you make because you know what God's design and plan is for your life. So my title, if you want to give this thing a title, is simply this, how to be stoked being yoked. Is that all right? Is that cheeky enough for the four o'clock? How to be stoked being yoked. And I understand there are different types of people in this room tonight. If you're single and you want a date, this sermon is so for you and I'm setting the bar nice and high. You've got the wrong person preaching in the pulpit tonight if you want the bar to be low, <laughs> but this is out of the word of God. Um, for some of you who are dating somebody, this sermon will help you recalibrate and go, mm, is this person really worth it? <laughs> are we really like actually like uh, valuing what God values? There are married people in the room tonight, and I pray that this sermon is, is for you too, where you go, are we valuing what God values? Are we majoring on minors, or are we majoring on what God has for our lives? And there are people who are single and, um, single and you're over it, right? You're not keen for a relationship at all. This still applies to your friendships. Because at the end of the day, no matter where you're at, at the, in the relational spectrum, right, godly, strong relationships are for every single believer paid with the blood of Jesus Christ. 
And I believe so strongly, just prophetically, that God has a second wave of people coming through this church. I don't know when. I don't know when it's going to happen. You guys are like the first wave, the first lot coming through, right? I said this at the 10 a.m. And God is challenging us to step up in our convictions and what we believe in so that we can be an example to the second wave of people coming. Because there are going to be people that are going to be coming through these doors, right, who don't have any godly example in their home. And they're going to look at marriages and dating relationships in this church and be like, oh, so that's how you do it. That's how you do it God's way. Does that make sense? So let's strap ourselves in. Let's go for it. How to be stoked being yoked. Well, you might be thinking, what the heck is a yoke? Half an egg or something. Why don't we uh, go to a diagram? <laughs> go to a diagram. I said, I'm going to say this joke again tonight. Pastor Mike was looking at the blue lake and he drew me a picture. This is what he came up with. This is a yoke, right? Two, <laughs> two cattle and a yoke. So that wooden block between those two, those two cattle, that is what that would call a yoke, okay? The purpose for the yoke is that the farmer, the master, would put the yoke on two animals so that they could carry or plough double the amount that one singular uh, you know, animal could not do on their own. Right? So he would yoke them together so he could double the capacity of what was actually able to be done. Does that make sense? Double the load. Okay? So that's what a yoke is, the wooden block. Right? We want to be yoked by the master. Right? We don't want to be putting our own yokes on. Right? But what would the master, what would the farmer look for in two animals to yoke them together? Firstly, if you're taking notes, he'll look at this. He would see whether the two animals were, firstly, of the same kind. Of the same kind. Now, I don't mean as in, like, don't yoke a frog and a goat together. <laughs> like, that, that's, that was obvious to the master. You wouldn't do that. That's, just, that's not what you do, right? Um, but when I talk about the same kind, I'm not just talking about the, the same species. I'm talking about the same kind of size. Like, they're both growing. They're both strong. They're both kind of at the same place in their development because if one was bigger than the other, one the bigger one would dominate the smaller one. And they'll go around in circles and it'd be abusive and weird. And it doesn't matter how big the plane was, they wouldn't get anywhere because they'd be both at different stages. Does this make sense? Not the same species, but also the same size. So let's bring it back to our lives for a moment. What does it look like to be yoked with somebody of the same kind? It means, it means this, that it's not good enough for them just to simply go to church, but they also need to be growing in Christ. It's not good enough that they just go to church. Oh, that's awesome. That's praise God they're going to church. But if you want to be yoked to that person, like tied to that person forever in the eyes of God, you want to make sure that they're growing in Christ. It's not just a question of, hmm, is that person Christian? Is she Christian or is he Christian? It's a question of, what, what are their convictions? <laughs> what do they believe in? Um, because uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, I believe it is. Bang, got it. It says this, do not be misled. It's, it's talking to the church here. Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Doesn't matter how good your character is, how strong you are on your own, if they're not at that same stage, those same convictions, that will rub off on you. Another way of saying it is don't be misled. Lack of convictions destroys your character. So do you know somebody you don't want to be yoked with? Married to? This is for the dating people, right? You're picking and who am I going to date? You don't want to be yoked to somebody that has a gossip problem. <laughs> Because that will get off on you. You don't want to be yoked to somebody that presents well in person, but behind the scenes they're just slagging every second person. 
Let me set the bar a little bit, just a little bit higher. We know those ones are important, right? You know who you don't want to be yoked to? Somebody that only hears from God at church. <laughs> they only need a mouthpiece to hear from God. No, no, no. You should be able to open the word. We're setting the bar higher. And the Holy Spirit speak to you through that word. You know who somebody you don't want to be yoked to is somebody that's toxic perceptions towards people. Don't be misled. Like, otherwise, if you stay in that relationship too long before marriage, right, those, are, those, those perceptions can actually get on you. And again, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And let me just say this straight off the bat. You do not need to date somebody that's charismatic. You need to date somebody that has convictions. <laughs> you know what they believe in. And they don't just say it, but they actually live it. And if not, this is for the dating people, right? The people that are in that process right now. If not, if you can't hand on heart go, I line up with your convictions, kick them to the curb, <laughs> allow God to speak to them, give it some time, and if it's in God, God will bring it back into your life. Matt, that's a bit harsh, <laughs> isn't it, right? That's a bit harsh. I believe, though, Jesus, Jesus would have actually done the same thing. Oh, let me jump to a, a passage of scripture that has really nothing to do with dating, but it shows the heart of Jesus, or the pattern of Jesus, rather. Matthew chapter 9, verse 23 to 26, if you can all turn there. Jesus is um, being stopped by a man whose daughter had just died, and he goes, please come to my house. Um, my daughter's died. I need to raise her from the dead, please. <laughs> um, gets distracted on the way, takes a bit longer, and by the time he gets to the house, funeral music is playing. This girl is dead, Okay. And it says this in verse 23 of Matthew chapter 9. When Jesus arrived at the official's home, he saw the noisy crowd and heard the funeral music. Verse 24. This is Jesus, okay? He said, get out. The girl isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him. Verse 25. After the crowd was put outside, however, Jesus went in and took the girl by the hand and she stood up. She was raised by the dead, right? From the dead. Don't just get by that. It's pretty amazing, right? The report of this miracle swept through the entire countryside. This will mess with your theology a little bit. But Jesus would not perform this miracle until the people that didn't have faith got out of the room. He approached this room. And the thing with those people, they were evil people. They were there. They were present. They were mourning, celebrating, you know, this family trying to help. Being, they were there. They were okay. But the issue was they lacked Conviction. You know, the supernatural ability of God in your life will be limited by the person or people that you allow into the room of your heart. Because you do not need to date someone who's charismatic. You need to date someone that has convictions. Someone that is growing, that's growing in Christ. That's why the Bible says above all else in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, above all else, like get this thing straight, right? Above all else, guard your heart. Guard your room. The thing is, right, people that lack conviction, they can be in your life. We all work with them. For some of us, they're our friends almost. Like, they kind of, we're at a bit of a distance, but they're there, right? They can be in your life, but you've got to guard your heart and not let them speak into your life. Does that make sense? And the thing is, right, the Holy Spirit is the number one person that speaks in your life, but the number two person that speaks in your life the most is actually your spouse. Because when you date, right, you want to get married to them, right? That's the point of it, right? To get, to get married to them, yeah? Yeah? So you want to make sure they're not just speaking out of an opinion out of their own brain when you've hit the floor and you're struggling, but they're actually speaking out of a conviction of God. 
You know how when you apply for a job, you bring in your resume? I believe dating needs to be, become a little bit more like a job interview. <laughs> you know, you, you bring your resume in, you plonk it on the desk and it has your personal info and your past history and your qualifications, right? I believe we need uh, a resume for our dating that's, uh, and, and on it it says convictions. Uh, what, are you, what, are you, what are your convictions? Where do you lie when it comes to tithing? Because I don't want to face this thing, this weird, like, this change in theology, this difference in theology when we're married and we're yoked. Let's sort it out now. Do you know, um, like, where are you at when it comes to serving? Like, do you just serve when everybody's looking at you or do you serve when no one's looking? Single people, let me give you a tip. Don't be creepy about it, but watch what they're doing when nobody's watching. Because that's somebody you want to be with, somebody that gets into the secret place, somebody that does things not because of fame and glory and attention, but they do it because they have a revelation of the love of Jesus in their own life. Where are you at with your convictions when it comes to saying sorry? Can they say sorry? Or do they always have pride in their heart? Are they humble? Are they filled with the Holy Spirit? Shock horror. You can be saved and not filled with what God has for your life. The Holy Spirit, right? I'm so glad I'm married to somebody that is filled with the Holy Spirit. Because when you are married, the ultimate referee is the Holy Spirit. (laughs) When I've been a mug, when I've said something I shouldn't have said, and I don't want to listen to my wife, guess who pulls it up? Pulls me up, rather. Some random dude doesn't come into my house and say, Matt, you shouldn't do that. No, who does that? It's the Holy Spirit. I'm so glad that when I'm wrong, that the Holy Spirit can, can correct me and say, no, you need to say sorry to your wife, Ronnie. You need to say sorry to her. Come on, you want to be with somebody who is evenly yoked, someone who is with you, who is actively growing in Christ. That sure, they are saved, but they are also being actively sanctified. Come on, let's lift the bar. Salvation's awesome, but sanctification is what Jesus paid the price for, right? For you to actually take on his likeness and his glory and what he has for your life. Come on, find somebody that is like that. And let me tell you this, you'll be able to carry twice as much as what you could carry on your own. But it requires a boldness of saying, God, Holy Spirit, would you show me somebody? Would you give someone to me who is of the same kind? Somebody that has convictions, growing in Christ. This is making sense to anybody in this room tonight right so the master would go these two animals are they of the same kind yes they are awesome he would yoke them together and go hmm now i'm going to set you on the same course the same path to be evenly yoked you need to be on the same path as the other person because this is the thing right worldly dating is this right two individuals coming together making up their own plans and agreeing upon it right but godly dating is two individuals coming together, submitting under the plan of God. Godly dating is not just relating to each other around a similar past, but it is a commitment to a spirit-led future. Let me, let me say that again so you can write it down. Godly dating is not just connecting around a similar past, but it is committing to a spirit-led future. What do I mean by this? As in God, for both of us, as individuals, we say, Lord, whatever you have for us, we're in. Tell us to start, we'll start. Tell us to stop, we'll stop. Tell us to change, change. Tell us to move, we'll move. Tell us to stay, we'll stay. Whatever you have for us, Holy Spirit. We don't know where we're going next year. We don't know what the next five years looks like, for goodness sake. But we come under the strategy of the Holy Spirit. You want to be yoked to somebody that is set on the same course as you. They're of the same kind, but they're willing to go on the course and be followed by the master. And the master can pull you in whatever direction. And they don't sway. They don't go their own way, but they go with the leading of the Holy Spirit. 
because they would yoke them together with a purpose in mind, but they would also set them on a path. And the thing is, when you know your path, when you know what you're called to and who you're called to, you therefore you know your boundaries. That's why Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then, everyone say then. Everyone say then. You won't be doing what, the, what your sinful nature craves. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. I love the saying, let go and let God. But the flip is also true to, as well. Let God do whatever he wants in your life. Give him a chance. Whatever you say, Lord, then you will want to let go because his ways are better. His ways are higher. His ways are greater. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, it says, When people do not accept divine guidance... They run wild. That is why I believe so strongly that so many Christian relationships, dating relationships, fall into sexual immorality and sex before marriage is because they haven't had the vision conversation. They haven't had the conversation of like staring each other in the eyes and going, are we ready for anything that God wants to do in our lives? Are we willing? If God called us to Zimbabwe, if God called us to sell it all, if God called us to build that house or whatever, are you in? I don't know. Well, let's wrestle with it. And the thing is, the wrestle is good. You know, God's people, the Israelites, literally means he who wrestles with God. The wrestle is good. For some of you who are in a relationship, you're dating somebody right now, and you're like, oh, I kind of know what he's going to say. He'll give me some fancy like, sort of rhetoric. No, no, no. Have the conversation. And if you can't agree, all good, wrestle with God on it. And if it's not of God, cool, it's not of God. Put it at the side. But it says, he who wrestles with God, that's God's people. We should be okay with the wrestle, the toing and froing, because we want to be on the same path, the path that the master has for us. Imagine how sad would it be that we would live our own lives and slap the God label on everything that we are doing while avoiding ourselves to the blessing of the direct purpose and plan that God has for our lives. And if you hand on heart, is this okay? Is this not too harsh? It's just all right. Like, I would hate to come here and give you a bunch of fluff and, and see your stuff up over and over again or choose somebody that you, not a regret, but you kind of just minimize your calling. Like, let's set the bar high. But, you know, um, if you can't say that hand on heart, we're the same kind. She's got a conviction and we're, we're set on the same course. I encourage you. Like, I know this is it's easier said than done. But the good news is this, right? If you don't have anyone in your life who's like that right now, you can sit back. And allow the God story to unfold. Sit back and let God bring that person in your life. So Adam, in the center of the original will of God. And at the right time, at the right time, he brought the right partner into his life. Do you want to hear about my first date? So, like I said, I got radically saved at 17 years old. Right, I got sexually abused when I was younger. I got bullied in school. I was anorexic. I was this height, six foot. I was anorexic. I was 53, 55 kilos, right? I was very depressed. I went through a lot of gear just in my childhood, right? And um, I went to a church because my dad would ring me every Saturday night. You know, you going to the house of the Lord tomorrow? Yeah, mate. And I wouldn't go. But I finally went, okay? I finally went. I met somebody, one person, one time. I got my phone number. And I was like, that place is weird. I'm not going back again, right? <laughs> six weeks later, because everyone was so friendly, right? Six weeks later, I actually went to take my own life. And I remember saying to God, the first time I've really reached out to God, he'd reached out to me a few times, but I'd finally reached out to him. And I said, Holy Spirit, if you care about God, if you care about me, surely you'd care about what I'm about to do to myself. And literally, as I finally reached out to God, five seconds later, I kid you not, I still have the phone, the dodgy Nokia, right? Five seconds later, I got a text message from him saying, hey, mate, haven't seen you in a while. I hope everything's okay. And I felt God grip me and say, stop blaming me for your past. Embrace me for your future. 
I want to put you on a path, Matt. So when I got saved, it was like, you know how the Bible talks about dying to yourself, you know? I literally was like, well, I've died to myself. Like, I actually in the natural was going to kill myself, so I'm done. So I was like, radical, let's go for it. Let's just kill it. Let's, let's go. And then I finally met this girl, this, this, this my little Vietnamese dim sim, as I call her. Even though <laughs> dim sims aren't Vietnamese, right? But anyway. All the Vietnamese food sound gross. Bun bao and pho. Nang wa. Anyway. It's not romantic at all. So uh, anyway. I met her and I was like, okay. So we had a first date, okay. And the whole time I was driving there, I was just like, my heart was pounding. I was like, I've got to tell her. I've got to tell her. I've got to tell her. Like, so we, sit, we, we walk on the beach for a bit. It was quite romantic. And we sit down on a park bench and I look at her. I'm like, the Holy Spirit's like, you've got to tell her, Matt. You've got to tell her. you got to tell her. And I was like, okay, I'll tell her. I looked at her and I said, for firstly, like, I love you. You're awesome. But, like, you're so beautiful. Um, you need to love Jesus way more than me. Like, first and foremost, like, I'm pretty good. But Jesus is a lot better. But the second thing I said to her, I said, you've got to know something about me. All right. If God told me tomorrow to sell it all, I moved to Papua New Guinea, Tasmania, Queensland, I'm going. So I know this is awesome and all, but this is your way out. <laughs> like I laid all the cards on the table. I said, she was literally the first person, like my first date, first my well, last first date, like everything right, saved myself. And she said yes, which was awesome, right? She said, yeah, I'm up for the journey. That was seven years ago. 2013, September 28th, right? And anyway, since then, since then, we've gone through so much. We've had persecution from family. Like, I didn't exist to her family for about five years. You know, I was just a friend and they'd stare at me across. It was just really awkward. Uh, persecution from people even in our, own, in our own church. You would see things that we were doing and kind of misread it and think we were doing it. So gossip train and all that kind of gear. Um, we've had persecution even financially, like we had persecution even when it came to, so last year, for example, we were leading this event called United We Stand and our Influences Church Paradise and we had 1,300 people come out, right, 200 salvations, right, we were, t- we were taking some real, like, we were leading that um, specific particular region and we were really kicking some goals and, and but at the same time, um, we were kind of getting really challenged on just growing in our own health, right? Like, we'd both come from sexual abuse, so, like, we were finally talking about it and getting it out in the open, all that kind of gear. And at the same time, as we are kicking major goals, my wife was just getting seizures just absolutely out of nowhere. So she'd be driving the car, start to convulse. <laughs> she'd, I'd, be ironing, I'd be ironing my shirt, and then all of a sudden, he bang! What the heck? Cats, like, fell off, fell over, like, in another room, hit her head against the wall, Right? I'd wake up in the morning, she'd be like literally having seizures, like full on, eyes in the back of her head and everything in our bed. Still to this day, we have zero idea where they came from. The doctors have zero idea what the deal is, right? So we've been through our fair share of crisis, and that's only just been seven years, okay? But I'm, and, and, and as well, let's put on top of that, if we were gonna put our dating resumes out, um, when it came to our past history, again, both of us come from generations of alcoholics. Sexual abuse, depression, suicide, all that stuff. We, we're both in the natural hot mess, right? But because we made that commitment at the start to say, God, we both agree, wherever you want to take us, we're going. I believe because we've been on the same course, God has carried us through every single crisis. <laughs> I 
And God has the same plan and design for you, single person. Don't you dare compromise on what God has for your life. I know it is so tempting, but do not do something outside of the timing of God. I'm at the bar's too high. I can't reach it. Yep, that's the point. So God can pick you up, put, him on your, put you on his shoulders and go, I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to bring something into your life that you can never take credit for. I can never take credit for what God's done in my life. And he has the same path, the same yoke he wants to place on your shoulders at the exact right time. I feel like God's got something right now. Really, if you want to sum up everything that I said tonight regarding dating, it's just simply being surrendered under the design of what God has for you. Being designed under, being surrendered rather under God's design. And I really felt in my heart as people are on all sorts of different ends of the relational spectrum tonight, I really felt in my heart that for a lot of us, we've been resting on yesterday's surrender. Like you surrendered and you, you stepped out in faith when you went to move to this church and, and to do all that, but you've been resting on that. And culture is screaming at you to change and to do things a certain way. It's time, I believe, for you to hit the refresh button on your surrender and come under the strategy of the Holy Spirit tonight. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you were able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We would love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to financially support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.